Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Batting first, in left field, Rajay. Davis! More importantly, hitting sixth in right field, Brandon Barnes. Hitting seventh at catcher, Eric Haas. Hitting eighth at shortstop, Eric Gonzalez. Hitting ninth at second base, your favorite player, Adam Rosales. These are your American League Central Champion, Cleveland Indians. So I was thinking about it today, Zach. Could this lineup that they're rolling out today, could that have beaten the team in 2012 when they went 5-20-whatever in the month of August? That month that essentially got Manny Acta fired, got Terry Francona as this team's manager, and got you six, six straight winning seasons? So because of that month, we're seeing this lineup today? Yeah. Yeah, think about that. There's that butterfly effect on everything in life. Everything that happens, happens for a reason and takes you somewhere you could never have even seen. Welcome to the Hangover edition of the Selvius Godcast. We are recording this on Sunday morning, where the Indians are trotting out their post-clinch lineup. That is a thing of beauty. You didn't answer my question. I think it would depend on pitching. That 2012 team couldn't score runs anyway. Uh, this We're going to see Shane Bieber today. Probably see some relief. I like Dan Otero will be available. And Tyler Olson and those guys. I, I think this... T- uh, you have Donaldson. Yeah, Josh Donaldson. Yanni yes. Diaz. I think this team would win. Yeah, that 2012 so team had like... Who was in that lineup? Casey Kochman. Ugh. God. Lou Marzen. Oh, jeez. Carlos Santana. Michael Brantley. Jason Kipnis. Yeah, maybe that team's better. Just something to think about as you're rolling through today's lineup. Give me the whole lineup. It goes Davis, Allen, Donaldson, Diaz, Geyer, Barnes, Haas, Gonzalez, Rosales. See, I don't think I've seen you as excited for a story as when yesterday we rolled into the park and it became evident that they were going to clinch and you told me, I have dibs on the hangover lineup. It's mine. I have that story. I'm doing it. You were so excited to write about that 1996 lineup that featured who in left field? So I want to go over the 96 and the... What is a Nigel Wilson? And the 2016 hangover lineups because there are things of beauty. I mean, it's... 
you know, Ryan Thompson? There were what some good that? ones. There were some good ones in the past. Like in 2001, Milton Bradley led off. It was his first career start with the Indians. John McDonald hit second. So even even though Roberto Alomar, Juan Gonzalez, and Jim Tomey were all in the lineup in 2001, and the day after they clinched, you still had John McDonald hitting second. Like, John McDonald. We've talked on this podcast before about hitting how second. poorly lineups were constructed. Uh, Years you and had years to ago. put your center fielder leading off. You and had to put your shortstop yeah. hitting second. It was just the way it went. Your Same DH thing in '99. Had to be somewhere in the three, four, or five spot. Yeah. In '99, they went Joey Cora and Enrique Wilson up top before they got to Fryman, Ramirez, Tommy, Sexton. Yeah. It, even in '97, Bip Roberts and Jeff Branson. Jeff Branson, he couldn't hit. They hit one, two ahead of Ramirez, Tommy, Justice. Well, who was going to set the table for Ramirez, Tommy, uh, and Justice? It had to be Jeff Branson and Bip Roberts. All right, so let's talk 96. This is, I think, the best of all time. This team beat the White Sox at Comiskey Park. Did you ever introduce this podcast, or did you just get so excited? I said it's the hangover moved. edition of the oh, Selby okay. Scott cast. Did you say who we were? No. Who are you? I'm Zach Meisel. He's TJ Zuppi. Sure. Leading off. Second base, Casey Candelli. Candelli? It's Candel. Candel. Casey Candel. Why do I always add the... Well, because there's an E on the end, but you didn't see the little accent above the E, did you? No. Hitting second at third base, Geronimo Pena. I have no recollection of him whatsoever. There's a few guys that I forget played for the Indians, like Cecil Fielder. Yeah. Harold Baines. uh, Geronimo Baroa. Geronimo Baroa, yeah. Geronimo Pena? No, I don't. I do not remember that. Hitting third and right field, Brian Giles. That was his first full major league season. Hitting fourth, DH Manny Ramirez. Manny was always in the uh, day after lineup. Uh, he, it's kind of like Carlos Santana. He just wanted to play every day. Just wanted to play baseball. Hitting fifth in left field. No idea who this person is. If you're listening, feel free to reach out. Tell us who you are. Nigel Wilson. Who? Nope. Don't remember it. Even Tom Hamilton, who I was talking to about this this morning, had not so had no a few more people. No memory of this. If I could tell Tom, we're allowed to swear in this podcast. I can't, cannot share the story. Stories Tom Hamilton was just telling me because I accidentally opened the door to his booth and he screamed at me and then made me have a donut and listen to his stories. But he was just looking to unload on someone this morning. I think you so. just happened to be the sorry and individual that did it. It was worth it. It was a good donut. Uh, hitting sixth at first base, Jeff Kent. Remember his short tenure in Cleveland? I do. It was right before he became an all-star, potential Hall of Fame caliber player. Second baseman, though. Could not, first could base not get into the lineup in 96 S- with the Indians. Hitting seventh, no clue who this person is, Ryan Thompson. I remember Ryan Thompson. I remember Ryan Thompson. I do not remember Nigel Wilson. Don't remember it whatsoever. Hitting eighth, the other Pena, Tony. Hitting ninth, shortstop, Damian Jackson. I always forget that he uh, he came up with the Indians, didn't he? Yeah, before they traded him to the Reds. And I have a – well, I don't have it anymore because it probably got lost and sold and thrown away somewhere. At some point I had a baseball autograph by Damian Jackson, and I was pretty excited about it because he was like the Indians' sixth best prospect at the time. So I was thinking, this guy's going to go on to big things. He I think just barely played here. I think I've said this before. My first ever autographed ball I got at an Indians camp when I was in fifth or sixth grade, signed by Alex Ramirez. Yeah, 
He was supposed to be the other Ramirez that was going to wreak havoc on, on the league, but that did not happen. All right, 97 is decent, too. I mentioned Bip and, and Bip and Branson. Imagine if, if Bip and Branson. He could have made it big. The killer bees. The killer bees. <laughs> but there was also in that lineup Bruce Avon. Wow. I swear, some of these guys, they, like, only kept around, so they had filler in September. I mean, how's that much different than what? At some point, you'll look but, back But, I mean, they had the same guys. Brandon like, Barnes. Yeah, but, like, Bruce Avon. Bruce Avon was here for a few years. Yeah. Anyway, all right, let's get to 20. I'm, so, I'm really, I, I think the most disappointing thing about all of the lineups you just read, none of them featured Jeff Manto. No. Jeff Manto just destroyed fools when he played for the Buffalo Bisons. Destroyed them. But every time he made it to the majors, he never really did much. Might have to ask Jim Rosenhaus about Jeff Manto. I'm sure he's got some good stories. He's like what Russ Kanzler wanted to be. <laughs> we all aspire to be if, what Russ Kanzler wanted to be. If you can be Jeff Manto, always be a Jeff Manto. All right, 2016 was pretty good. So this was, if we remember, in Detroit, everybody was injured. Um, it was in that cramped little visitor's clubhouse at Comerica Park. They blew it out big time. It was, for many of these guys, it was their first such champagne celebration and so the next day now they were still jockeying for position but i think at this point because so many guys were hurt their pitching was a mess they had remember like ryan merritt started that last week plutko was pitching a little bit they had bullpen days where McAllister would start even kluber got hurt for the end that last week remember he left his start i think he left the start in this game right that's why he started game two of the alds right Oh, but when he started Game 2 of the ALDS last year, you all bitched and moaned. What do you mean, you all? I was kidding. Anyway, so here's your lineup, 2016. This team lost 12-0 to the Tigers. Tyler Naquin leading off in center. Hitting second, second baseman, Michael Martinez. Little did we know on that day when he was batting second, he would make the final out of the World Series, Game 7. Of all the unlikely scenarios that you could have predicted at that point in time, that the Indians would even make it to the World Series, that they would make it to Game 7 of the World Series, is it is the fact that Michael Martinez would be getting the final at-bat the most improbable? If, if you would have told me how Game 7 of the World Series would end, the day of the hangover day, when I knew Michael Martinez was hitting second... I think my guess would have been, wow, so he must go like six for six in this game with four home runs, and Tito's like, shit, well, he's got to hit second the rest of the year. And that's how Michael Martinez was up at the plate with the game on the line in Game 7 of the World Series. That's not how that played out, though. No. It's not even close to how it played out. Hitting third in right field, Abraham Almonte. Was that like the, was that his peak? This is when he was playoff ineligible. Remember, he came back and he helped right. them win some games. Uh, but he was not eligible for the postseason because he had been suspended earlier in that year. And it's his ineligibility that led them to go out and trade for Coco Crisp because they couldn't use Almonte in the playoffs. And Crisp ended up hitting the clinching home run in the – or hitting a home run right. in the clincher, yeah. hitting a home run in the Boston clincher, yep. and then hitting a home run in the Toronto clincher. Abe was a good guy. 
He had some demons. I feel bad for him. Um, where is he now? Is he still with KC or did they let him go? I don't know if he's... I think he's still with KC, maybe. I don't. I do not know. Santana, of course, DH hitting fourth. You want to make him mad, take him out of the lineup. Brandon Geyer is a staple in these things. He is hitting fifth today. He hit fifth in 2016. I don't think he drinks, right? He doesn't... I mean, he eats crickets. True. He, I think his... total health nut. Well, they so. had one bin last night that had non-alcoholic drinks. Um, but those probably had, like, sugar and stuff, so he wouldn't touch yeah, those to- either. Yeah, tons of calories. He's not into that. I saw him spray a protein shake on Greg <laughs> Allen. <laughs> Jesus Aguilar, before he became all-star Jesus Aguilar, hit six. Maybe they should have just kept him. And then the bottom of the order is fantastic. Chris Jimenez hit seventh and started at third base. It's the only time he ever started at third base. Adam Moore, catcher, hitting eighth. And Eric Gonzalez, who at that point was the backup to the backup to the backup utility guy, hit ninth. That's a pretty impressive lineup. I wouldn't say Not it's quite the, as good as I 96. wouldn't say it's the it's the greatest post clinch lineup. But that's a pretty good lineup. Yeah, that so that that's team that team lost twelve nothing. Why didn't they let Chris Jimenez pitch in that game? I mean, later we find out that he's a two way star. That's true. It, it's basically what enabled teams to believe Shohei Otani could do it. So why why didn't they just let him pitch? That is a good point. Uh, I did want to talk about. I mean, we've seen these now for three years. We've seen crazier ones in the playoffs. That the one in Toronto stands out a lot to me because. Yeah, that, that was pretty insane. That was uh, there were a lot of off-the-field storylines or yeah. sideshows that kind of played into it. Remember when Kipnis twisted his ankle celebrating? Yeah. I, oh, man. I forgot it. His ankle. Remember how purple it was? Yeah. Um, and then you had the boots, cowboy boots in the middle with uh, the, the I think beard. that added to it. I think yeah. the, the, the extra chip on their shoulder, if it wasn't enough that they were reaching the World Series – Having had two, no, not three fifths of their rotation injured. Yeah, it was the added, I think, chip on their shoulder of the Blue Jays essentially just crapping all over Ryan Merritt that that really put them over the top to celebrate that thing. Circumstances, man. Uh, so, but I wanted to ask, just what were your takeaways or your favorite observations from this one? I would say it was cool seeing some of the guys that haven't got to do this before take it all in it was fun seeing the guys that have done this before being a, a little more laid back in it and it seemed like they were letting the guys that haven't gone through this really enjoy it and, kind of, and trying to try to almost make it more about their experience than just enjoying it themselves and then the the other thing that i found hilarious what did oliver perez do to warrant being everyone's target <laughs> number one i mean that guy has bounced around all over the league was with the Yankees and the Miners and then opted out of his deal, joined the Indians at a time when that bullpen was the worst in baseball. And now he's got a sub-1 ERA. And he pitches every day. And, yeah, he's been so reliable. I, I saw him on multiple occasions, like, treating his... He's got, like, a silver mohawk. And he was, like... It was like it was a squeegee. He, he was, was like, just wringing it out. Yeah. <laughs> he was soaked. At one point... So we've been through these enough that we know you're going to try to hang on the side, try to get as many good pictures and good videos. And 
once the, I don't say the celebration dies down, because I don't think it really dies down, but once it kind of is subdued a little bit, then you know when to pick your spots and go talk to a few guys. And just avoid Trevor Bauer at all costs. That's true. Although I don't think he was as wild yesterday. I think he even was a little subdued. Well, he's for his typical self. He's got a broken leg. He's got his little pad on it to make sure that it stays okay. But in doing that, we're over there in the corner. The greatest part about this, by the way, is that Bauer doesn't drink at all. But he uses up the most alcohol in these celebrations. He was sword fighting with beers at one point. With Plucko. (laughs) I saw Um, that. And he also treated his beer bottle as a... Like a microphone when you guys were interviewing Cody Allen. Saw uh, a couple of guys do that. Anyhow, so at one point, Oliver Perez ducks out of just being, having everything dumped on him. And he's just soaked head to toe. Literally, there's not a dry piece of anything on his body. And he just looks at the crowd of reporters that's huddled in the corner, just trying to stay dry as much as we could. And he just looks over and he subtly shakes his head. And he just keeps walking. <laughs> it was the it was probably the funniest nonverbal I saw in there at any point. But it is amazing when you walk into a, a clubhouse that's like that. That familiar smell of cigar smoke, champagne mixed with Budweiser. That so overwhelming. Is it's overpowering, and you we we walk through those doors, and it it smacks you in the face, and the aroma there's like a fog of it. I, I, I barely, like last year I got drenched. This year I, I barely got anything poured in our direction at least. And I came upstairs, I reeked of that smell. Yeah. And my clothes had like absorbed it in the air. Like my, like my shirt, my jeans, everything had that stuff in it, yet I hadn't got anything poured on me. Well, so, but today it, you wouldn't have even known. I didn't smell anything in there. Obviously they removed all the, the tarp and the... The plastic sheets, but... Yeah, I mean, you wrote about it. They have tarp everywhere. It's all over the lockers. It's all over the floor. Two years ago when they did it in Detroit, though, the next day, you, there was still the stench, and every step you took, it squeaked because it was so sticky. <laughs> so the the Indians clubhouse, shout out to uh, Tony Amato and Scotty and Brandon Biller and the boys who do a great job and set it all up, tore it all down. Um, How about yesterday? I thought, were you... Were you present when we were talking to Clevenger? Yes. When he talked about his emotions of seeing the, the plastic up and f- having flashbacks to 2016. Yeah, the so... World Series. So that was interesting. I, I I remember reporting that the night of Game 7 of the World Series and, like, never have I tweeted out something that so many people replied, like, please, Stop. I can't take this. The loss was bad enough to then picture everything set up for the cell. I mean, because when we think about 97, you, you talk to people who were there, who covered it, who were a part of it, and, like, the Indians front office people had moved down so that they were in position to go accept the trophy. And um, we know all the stories about how Chad OJ's name was going to be uh, etched onto the, onto the trophy, and the ice and the champagne were rolled into the clubhouse, and then they had to roll them out. It's, it was the same thing, basically, two years ago. And so it, I, that was fascinating when Clevenger mentioned that, how he finished his outing, six innings, and, and goes back to the clubhouse to cool down and whatnot. And he saw it, and the first, his first reaction was he was sick to his stomach because it just brought back flashbacks. But at the same time, also was motivation with, like, 
we need to get back there and make sure that this time they can keep those plastic sheets up. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't take it as... I mean, it was slightly negative, but I took it more as just, like, the anxious, the excitement yeah. to get an opportunity to try to do that again, mixed with the frustration of not being able to close it the first time. Yeah. I, I was... I was very interested to see how they would react. I think their reaction was pretty much what I expected. Not over the top, not crazy. I mean, the division's been what it is. They're not surprised by winning the division, even though Lindor said he just realized it like a week ago. Yeah, I don't buy that. (laughs) I don't buy that either. And by that time, I think Lindor had done like 27 interviews, had breathed in so much cigar smoke and champagne that I don't think he knew what he was saying at that point. He took off his shirt at one point, and then he started flexing his muscles in photos. and Yeah. Yeah, things got weird. But uh, pretty much what I expected. A, a chance to blow off some steam, and I think that's important. I, I, I know some think uh, the division's crap, and why are you celebrating this? It's, it's still uh, 162 games, 162 games, and to try to get through it as clean as possible and win as many games as possible, I, I think you take as many opportunities as you can to, to celebrate the, the minor and major victories. Well, then why don't we get to do that? Where were you last night? You went through the Raising Cane's drive-thru. That wasn't your victory cigar? I guess. I got to see <laughs> Linus. Healthy Linus. Yeah. I saw my kids for like three minutes this morning. I got to watch Ohio State not cover. Um, yeah. And we get an off day tomorrow. Maybe we'll blow off some steam tonight. And it's a, this is a perfect scenario. I mean, you talked about you wanted it to be today that they clinched. I wanted it Friday because I just wanted to get it done. Yeah. But Saturday, I mean, as an unbiased observer... Doing it Saturday yesterday was couldn't have been any more perfect. I think you're right because now you get the the hangover lineup. Guys get a chance to take a take a rest, and then you get the off day Monday. So, you know, we we've said it. I know fans have said it. They've tweeted at us. You know, why is Lindor in there so much? Why is Jose in there so much? They have this thing clinched. They should take an opportunity to get these guys some rest. Why is Cody Allen and Brad hand pitching? Wait, that was you last night. But anyways. (laughs) They get an opportunity to get two days. You yeah. Two-day break, then you come back. I take back what I said. <laughs> you come back sort of fresh, and you can kind of attack the final two weeks for what it needs to be. Yeah, Tom Hamilton was saying a name drop again. Uh, it's the same he name. Asked, he asked me if I was ready for two more weeks of spring training. And while that is the case, I, there, there's there's intrigue here. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun to watch Donaldson start to play every day, mm-hmm. which he'll, he'll do next week or this week, and to watch Trevor Bauer's progression, his recovery, he'll throw to hitters Tuesday, to watch Andrew Miller get into form, and and not only that, but to watch some of the guys put together the final stage of of these statistical seasons. You know, is Jose Ramirez going to go 40-40? Is Francisco Lindor going to get to 40 home runs? Or, Or just... And not only those big round numbers, but just what is the final product? What are, what are those final numbers going to look like in the MVP race? Will Kipnis get more than one chance in center field the rest of the way? Yeah. Um, so there's, while it is going to feel like they're playing out the string and, you know, it's we'll just analyze how they match up with Houston and some of the other teams, there are going to be some fascinating things to watch. And... I think for everybody, it's like a sense of relief that they clinched because now the only thing, and I know they were going to clinch at some point, the division's a joke, we know all that, but at some point, and here he is. Splash! What's up, boys? Andre like Nutt. Flockwood. Hey, man, where'd you get that jersey at? That, uh, who's the jersey you posted yesterday? Chris Seddon. I didn't even know that guy. 
You made that. That was before. That was, like was in, before your time. I thought he was amazing. Before my time, I'm 40, man. You yeah, made but, 40 years ago. But in 2012, you were, you know, you, oh, no, 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 no. you were talking about Eric Mangini and Rob Shadzinski. Eric Mangini and... was running me out the building. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, but I got to go be on TV in like three minutes. Good job. This is the first time I've come on the podcast and not cussed. It's Sunday, Mama. I love you. You get your makeup done. <laughs> I'm too ugly for makeup. <laughs> Uh, Chris Sedinger's 16 games of the Indians in 2012. He might have been that pitcher uh, leading that August 2012 team against the these Indians that you were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Anyway, I'm that, actually that excited. Fit the role of the random Indian for the day? It can, yeah. I'm excited for these last two weeks. This is a bonus it's a time, podcast for this weekend. Yeah, it's a time to catch your breath and also just focus on some of the fun things about this season and... Uh, I don't know. Maybe I can even get in another Mario Kart match with Jose. Uh, if he's recovered from yesterday, the, my favorite scene. He's sitting in his locker, feet up. I, I tweeted out the video, puffing a cigar and just like looking around, like like he's a freaking like he's mob king. Like he's yeah, unbelievable that guy. And of course, <clears throat> Alex Hooper got the the photo. Alex Hooper of ninety two three the fan. He got the 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 photo yesterday of him behind the plastic yeah, yeah and that's where he's going to be for like the rest of the year just wrap him in plastic yeah that's a good metaphor <laughs> wrap the entire team in plastic outside of the guys that need to be ready and see what happens where can people find our podcast uh podbean and stitcher and google play and apple something apple itunes podcast. It's, it hasn't been itunes for months oh it's apple podcast soundcloud no, we're not on SoundCloud. Anchor. We are on Anchor. Did you say Stitcher and Spotify? Spotify. Yeah, I use that. That's the one you were missing. Uh, parting words. Can I just say, for the parting words this week, I mean, I know, again, the division is what it is. No one believes that the end goal is winning the division. It's not, not, it's not what you're shooting for. But... Teams don't go on runs like this often, especially teams like the Indians throughout their history where they win three straight division championships. I mean, hell in this town, you know, Browns are trying to win a game and Josh Gordon is getting released and there's always drama. How about the timing of that, huh? Uh, As we're coming up from the... And all that shit is always happening constantly. And the Indians are heading to the postseason for the, the third consecutive season. Again, it's not the end goal, but... It's kind of cool to just be able to see postseason baseball return to this town because I love October baseball at this park in particular. I just think there's just something about it that is infectious and memorable, and I love it. Can't get enough of it. Loved it as a fan. It's so much fun as a reporter to follow it, and uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity of getting to, to cover it and, and bring up perspective to the, to the fans at home that can't be here. I think that's very well said. I'm excited for October baseball. I wish they were starting at home. I think it's... It's really fun when that happens um, and you have, like, that first game and it's just like a, a switch gets flipped to October. Um, so who knows? Now I guess game three will be in Cleveland uh, in a couple of weeks. So we'll leave it here. This song celebration that the Indians have played seemingly after every victory for, like, a decade. I'm so sick of it. But now you guys can <laughs> at least not, get a stuck in your head, too. Not Drake or... Any of the other songs they played on That was like three years Oh, thank God for Yonder Alonzo bringing some new music. He's been the Elliot Johnson of the clubhouse. Elliot Johnson? That's a good random Indian. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone want to act like they